Amen. Wow, the Lord is good, 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 good. No matter where you're at, God knows where you're at today. God knows right exactly. He knows every heart here, every, every concern that you have. He, he understands everything about us. And the best thing is that we don't, we just don't want to, we don't try to hide. You can't hide from God. I'm so glad, <laughs> you know, he doesn't leave us the way we are. <laughs> thank God, thank God. It's a process we are all in. We come to Jesus, we're justified, we're made right in his sight through his blood. He's already purchased your salvation. Now it's, it's the work has began. The work began with salvation. It wasn't, it, it wasn't over at the minute you accepted Christ. The work began, the new work. He's a, you're a new creation. Old things pass away. Some version says old things are passing away. I like that. Old things are passing away. So what I used to be then, 10 years ago, I'm not anymore. Amen. That's progress. What I used to be even five days ago, I'm not anymore. That's progress. And so sometimes we take it in this work, in this Christianity, sometimes it's three steps forward, two steps back. And so especially if we're going through things that are struggles, addictions, whatever it may be, but we're going through stuff, family breakdown, whatever it may be, God is good. He's sticking with you. He's staying with you. You're not gonna, he's not going to leave you. And I'm so glad today we can trust in the Savior. The one who's bought it all. He said to you, I, even when you're old and gray. <laughs> oh, boy. Well, I used to have hair, you know. That's just a joke. Even the psalmist said, even when I'm old and gray, he will not depart from me. You're going to live forever. Does that excite you? Can you fathom that? Can you fathom the eternity with God? We're just getting started. You live 150 years old down here, and we're just getting started. The Old Testament, you read about the guys who lived to be 600, 700, 800, 900 years. 969, I think, was the oldest. Methuselah. Wow. I can't even imagine. How did his joints feel? They must have felt pretty good, at least till the end. Ah, can you imagine all the burgers this guy ate? Think about stuff like that. If you calculate it all together, all this, all the wood he burned. You ever? Are you think? You think like I do? If you were to calculate all the dishes you washed over the years, it would fill this place and beyond. We sometimes are so, I like that you know, we have tunnel vision. We only see this much. We see this little dot. God sees us. I liked how Adam brought, you know, the illustration of the light on the wall. You know, we often just see the little dot, and God sees the whole big picture. He's not through with you. Thank God. So we learn from our failure, we learn from our mistakes, become better the second time around. We're getting better as age. We say, how can that be? I feel pain, I feel all this stuff, and you know, I can't do what I used to do. And you can work just as hard as you ever can, but it takes you longer to do it. Did you catch that? You can work really hard, yet. 
If it just takes you, just so what? If it takes you longer. We're, go, we're going to get there. It's going to happen. Some of you have moved here. You're in process. You're in transition. You're going to get there. It'll start to feel like more and more like home. I, I mean, my wife and I moved here 20, 21 years ago. Didn't know a soul. Went to the restaurant. Didn't know anybody. Went to the ball games. We don't know anybody here. It takes time to build a new community. It takes time. It takes a lot of love to build a family. It takes a lot of love to stick together in relationships. We stick up for each other. That's family. We stick up for each other as brothers and sisters of the Lord. We should pray for one another. That's church. That's what we are not. Uh, we have, you know, we've heard this, that Christians are the, the people that, you know, they, they kill their own wounded, so to speak. That's a sad statement. We are for each other. Build each other up. Encourage each other on. And so God is putting into our hearts his heart. What is God's heart for you today? What does God's word say about his attitude toward you? We read throughout Scripture, for God so loved the world, John 3, 16, he gave his only begotten so loved. For God so loved the world, he gave his begotten son, right? Whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have eternal life, right? You learned that maybe way back. But is it still with you? God is for you. For God so loved. The reason we can love is because God loved us. The reason that we can... The only real true love is from God. And what does that look like? Here's what it looks like. While we were yet sinners, away from God, Paul said in Ephesians, while you were dead in your sins and your trespasses, uncaring, uncaring about God, un, unknowing, just going on your own, doing what was right in your eyes, making up as you go along, so to speak. But God, in Ephesians, but God, being rich in mercy and love, he came to us, and he brought an awakening. I don't know where it was when you meet, got, met God. It may have been a process through your young, uh, upgrowing years, or it may have been an event in your life that brought you to God. It might have been a supernatural intervention. Or it might have been a process of through other people who introduced you to God. But wherever you're at today, God is for you and wants you to become more and more like he's created you to be. Think about it that way. God has created you to be the man or the woman of God. And you are his, so to speak, masterpiece. You are his beloved. You are his bride, the church, and he's coming back for you. And so that's just kind of some of the pre, uh, introduction thoughts to God. My title is God is for us. And we know the next, next phrase of that passage from Romans, if God is for us, who can be against us? Who can come against God? Who can stand in his presence? Who can think he can take on God? There's been a few that tried. 
it didn't work. God can, in a moment's time, do something that would he'd blow this whole place up in just a breath, in his breath. But he's merciful. And so uh, Romans 8 is about kind of the beginning thoughts of this message. And I'm going to kind of narrow it down in the latter part of the chapter. But Paul had been describing the seventh chapter about this flesh versus the spirit. All of us live in flesh. If you can touch yourself, your arm, feel your, you live flesh. You have, you, have a, you have a body that is called an earthly dwelling, an earthly tabernacle. It's temporal. No matter how well we take care of it, we're not going to live forever because of the fall of Adam and Eve. Because of their fall in the garden, we have been cursed with the sin of, of uh, sin consequence, which brings death. By the way, there's a couple different ways the Bible describes death. Death physically is a death that happens because it's, we live in a fallen world, but also is a spiritual death. In other words, if we have never come to Jesus, we're spiritually dead. We haven't been awakened yet. And sin separates us from God. And what God is doing, he started this early in the beginning, after the fall of Adam and Eve, when they sinned and ate the forbidden fruit. After they had ate, eaten of the fruit, they were ashamed. They, were, they went and hid themselves. They couldn't face God. But they heard him walking in the, in the garden. They were familiar with that sound because that was a routine then. They would walk with God. God would talk with them. God had fellowship. And God knew they sinned. And he asked them the question, how come you guys are hiding? Who told you you were not clothed? Have you eaten? He knew, but he wanted them to get them to confess. Adam made excuses. What do you say? This woman, this woman you gave me, your fault, God. And that's been the problem. That started the whole ball rolling. Because they sinned, the Bible says, we have all entered into sin. We have all been born into this nature. You don't have to teach a baby to sin. It starts when they don't want to share their stuff, when they want to, you know, it starts with this toddler. And God yet sees us while we were yet sinners. He gave his life for us so that we could become what he desires. And so Paul describes, Paul himself described a struggle. The apostle Paul, the man of God who thought he was doing right till he was awakened by the God of Jesus himself on the road to Damascus. And he, he had a miracle, miraculous salvation. But it was a process for him to get into ministry. And it's been a, with a process for Paul himself to become what God wanted him to become. He said it in Philippians. 
I have not reached it yet. I am not there yet. But forgetting what lies behind. So there's the key. As growing believers, many times we have to forget, put behind us failures, put behind us things that have hindered us, and let's have a new outlook. That's every day we get to have a new beginning. Every day. Yesterday's gone. We don't have to, we don't have to wallow in our past. Satan would have you to do that. And every time he does that, here's what the verse I want to read to you. Here's what I want you to get a hold of. In Romans 8, 1. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Satan, you cannot accuse me. You know what the Bible says? Satan is the accuser of the brethren. What is he? What's his big deal? He's mad at God. He wanted to be God. He wanted to take the place. He, he, he wanted to pride, arrogance. So God says, you got to go. And the Bible says he took a third of the angels. And all that force is working against God. He's working against the church. He wants to get you discouraged. He wants to accuse you of sin. The stuff that you've already confessed and printed. Let's believe God's word. Let's put it into action. Conf There's no more condemnation. God comes not to condemn us, but to save us. We can't save ourselves. Oh, I can, get, I, can get, I can get in a hole sometimes and begin to find all of my faults. Start to list all my faults. That's not the place to be. That's not where God wants us to live. And so what's the key? How do we get out of that hole? We've got to speak, our, we've got to, speak to our inner man. We've got to speak to God. We've got to call upon the Lord. We've got to pray and think on the things that are right and good and pure. Believe on the Lord and you shall be saved. I cannot save myself, devil. Jesus has saved me. I don't go around speaking to the devil much. I, I just don't, you know, what's, what's, you know, be a, there's been a moment where I've been praying. I to just, I, I'll say to God, God, just get the devil, get the Satan behind me. Jesus said to one of his disciples, get behind me, Satan. What in the world? That was, what was going on there? Peter, who was personality, you got to love Peter. He was ready to die for Jesus, remember? And he was saying to Jesus, Lord, I won't let them take you. I won't let them kill you. I'll stand up for you. I'll be there. And he meant what he thought was right. What Jesus said, get behind me, Satan. <laughs> there was a spirit about it. Peter wasn't Satan. But Satan comes to discourage, to kill, steal, and destroy. And if he can get into our thought life and get us discouraged, he will do it. So all of us, listen, we are in a battle. You and I are in a battle. What, what do you mean? Well, the battle is often in our thinking, our mind, what we're thinking on. If we're thinking, someone said, that's stinking thinking. 
we choose to go down a path that is begins to bring us down. I want to encourage you, Romans 8, 1, there's now no more condemnation. You are precious in the sight of the Lord. You are valuable. You are the church. You're cleansed. You're not your own. You've been bought with a price. Listen. And Paul describes this weakness that we have called the flesh. It's in verse 6. For the mindset on the flesh is death. But the mindset on the spirit is, that's the key to get out of the molly grub. That's the key when I feel sorry for myself. The mindset in the flesh is death. Listen, nothing in my flesh will ever be satisfied. I can do nothing. I could have all the money. I could have all the, the pleasure. I could have all the stuff the world has to offer. And I'll never be satisfied. I always will want more. Right? That's the flesh. And to, to, to a degree, that's our world that we're living in. We're seeing so much more things coming up that are the flesh. You see, when we admit our weakness, our fleshliness, and say, I need God. Verse 7, because the mindset in the flesh is hostile toward God, does not subject itself to the law of God, for it is not even able to do so. And those who are in the flesh cannot please God. I cannot please God in my flesh. And so how, many, how do I put this in perspective? No matter how many good things I do in my flesh, you see, here's the problem. When I do something wrong, then I want to make up for it. It somehow make up for it to counterbalance the difference. That's the flesh. Rather than admitting the mistake, like Adam said, well, it's this woman begin to blame something because of this and that. The key is this. If I will focus on the Lord, admit my weakness, then the Lord himself will say, that's what I needed to hear. Now I can move into you. I can move into that, that place where you are struggling, and I can help you overcome it. And it's a daily walk. It's a daily, it's a daily thing. Until we draw a last breath, we will have struggle with our flesh. But thanks be to Jesus Christ, who's given us victory. You see, no matter... No matter how you feel about yourself, God sees otherwise. God sees your full picture. God sees the full potential that you're arising, you're becoming someone great because of who he is. And so here's the, here's the deal. Here's the power right here, this next verse or two. And if Christ is in you, though the body is dead because of sin, just think about that for a moment. If Christ is in you, though the body is dead. Now, he doesn't mean our body, we're dead. But that we've died to ourself, our, the me, me, me. You catch it? You are not your own. You, you're marching to the orders he has. 
You're a new person in Christ. In other words, you have self-control now because with the Lord's help, you're able to say no to sin. Thank you, Jesus. It's not a grace that said because be well. Paul said if you sin, well, it's no big deal. You have grace. You said, no, no, no. Because of grace, you don't have to sin. See the difference? Because of his grace, he kept me from that. Let's slap the devil in the face. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. And they overcame him by the word of their testimony and the blood of the Lamb. What, what does that mean? They overcame the devil. They overcame the temptation, the accuser. Let me finish these verses. And if Christ is in you, though the body is dead because of sin, yet the spirit is alive because of righteousness, the spirit, the Holy Spirit. But if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal body through his spirit which indwells you. And this is the comparison. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead is in you. And so now when you come to Christ, in a sense you're dying to yourself, you're dying to the old flesh, but it wants to keep coming back. That's the part I didn't quite understand growing up. I always got hung up. Well, I, I sinned now, and now I got to go back, and I got to come back and, and get saved all over again. And I, I did. I, you know, I was fear. It was, it was, here's the difference. You serve God out of love. You serve God because he loves you. Listen, this is the difference. The Romans says it this way. It's the love of God. By the love of God leads people to repentance. When we get into legalism, it's a list of rules and don'ts. List, we begin to list. And if I keep that list, then I'm in good shape. That's legalism. And yes, there are standards, there are boundaries that God has established. There is a way in which we ought to walk and live. It's not anything goes. It's through the word. But the difference is because I love God and he loves me, I don't want to hurt my God. I don't want to turn my back on him. I don't want to deny him because out of a relationship. And see, if there's no relationship there, then it becomes religion. Religion has become a set of rules, and that was the, the problem with the Pharisees. They were so bent on every, every little thing, and they added to it, and they heaped things up, and they would point their fingers. Oh, my. Jesus was hard on them. He told them to their face what they were. You whitewashed tombs full of dead man's bones. What God cannot stand is hypocrisy. He wants the real thing. He wants your heart. He wants every corner of your heart. He wants us to be surrendered. And he will love you to the end. He will love you all the way through. I used to have a lady, uh, grandma. She was like a grandma to me. Her name was uh, Lydia. Lydia Pepper. None of you would ever have had the chance to know her. I've told this story. It started, uh, she was, 
in my church growing up, and I would sit on the stage and play the snare. That in those, I played jack the snare. And I was, I don't know, 10, 12, 13 maybe. And I'd beat the bass drum, boom, and play the snare. And she would watch me. She sort of adopted me in a way. And I started bringing her wood when I had a truck. I got the age of, you know, 18, 19. I'd carry her wood sometimes. She was, she was frail, and so to speak, she had to have a respirator on for oxygen. She had a smoking habit. She could never get over it, but she loved God. See, God looks past when he sees a heart. When he sees a heart. She talked about how she lost her, her husband. And she ended up with, I think it was three or four boys. And she scrubbed floors. She did anything. To, she lived in a tent with those boys. And she worked hard to provide something. And she looked back over her years. She had a son that died early. And she looked back over her years. She would talk to me. She said, I'd ask God why, and I'd ask, what's that all about? And through her pain, she was able to reach and touch so many people. She put it in her garden out on the highway where she lived. Jesus is Lord on a cross. She had an open-door policy. Anyone could stop in if they were in need. If they were broke down, that was, her, that was the way she lived. When she came back, she came back, when I came back from college, she was aging. She said, Jerry, I'm going to go right with you. I'm going to be right there sitting right next to you. And what she meant was I will be praying for you. She was a grandma person. I never had a grandma. Uh, my grandma's passed away as I was very young. I remember my grandma on my mom's side, but never really had any interaction. And she was a grandma. She was a mentor. I will pray for you. And she began to fail later in her years, and I was starting to, we were just starting to pastor, just starting out on Palisade. She started to call me time to time as she would be out of breath. And she told me this before, if I ever call you and I'm out of breath, begin to read the scriptures. And she, 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 she marked them. The Psalm 139, Psalm 91. Sure enough, she was out of, she, I could tell it was her, but she'd be out of breath and, <laughs> you know, just. And I start to read the scriptures. And she said, thank you, Jesus. And she said, thank you, Jesus. And she's pretty soon she's got her breath back. And pretty soon she was able to talk. What does that tell me? The, we all go through things. We all sometimes suffer from things. Listen. He is a restorer. He is a life giver. He is for you. God loves you more than you could ever understand. God loves you even though you are who you are when you think of yourself.
I suppose I better get to my message. When I say that, I mean I wrote some things down. But you know what? I find if I will, under, if I will just take the scripture, I can serve you the best when I can use God's word. I would dare say this. Some of you people here today are going through life never feeling good enough. Come on. Like you just haven't been good enough. Listen, here's the word for you. There's now no more condemnation. God has great plans for you. You're going to sit with him. You're going to walk with him. You're going to be on the streets of glory. You're going you're gonna to come back. You're going to be in the fullness. You're going to be able to see him as he is. You're going to be in, in his clothing. You're going to be in his garments. You're going to have all, the, all the, the glamour, the glory, not the glamour. The glory of the Lord is a difference. Glamour has to do with me. Glory has to do with God. God is where we've come from. God is where we're going to go back to for those who come to Jesus Christ. I cannot go back to God on my own. I cannot go to God through my own stuff, trying to work my way to, to heaven. That will never get us there. Only way I can get to heaven is through Jesus Christ. So here's the deal. God is for us. Who can be against us? Your stuff and your life that has been a struggle for you, this is what God can do. And the Romans 8.28 has been a, one of those verses that I don't know how you can not be encouraged when you read it. It says, we know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God. To those who are called according to his purpose. Let's just rest on that verse for a moment. What did it say? We know that God causes all things. Does that mean God causes all bad things? No, that doesn't mean God causes bad things to happen. It means that God causes all things to work together. He can take the bad and mesh it together when there's surrender, when there's humility, when they're saying, I need you, Jesus. All right, I can take this, and I'm going to use your, your past, your, your weaknesses. I'm going to begin to build. I'm going to begin to build my kingdom on that. I'm going to, be, be, I'm going to build my kingdom in you. I'm going, to, I'm, going to, I'm going to help you understand that the stuff that you were struggling for is what I can take and make something out of that. If you were a, the boy, if you were the boy in the, in the, in the 5,000, crowd it's like the little boy who said i only i just have a few fish a few loaves and the disciples are saying what can i do what can we do with this so many to feed the mountain is so big and jesus said i just just give it to me take it he's the multiplier over and over and over and over and over. Your life is a living testimony when God gets 
that come in. Look at it again. All things work together for good. In other words, God takes hard stuff and turns it around for good. For good. Joseph, by his jealous brothers, was sold into slavery, found himself in prison, wondering if he'd ever get out. Joseph became the savior of his brothers and his father. Why? Because he kept turning it over. He kept trusting in God. God, what they meant for evil, turned around for good. Look at You see, if there's been a hurt, if there's been a hurt in your relationship, in your family, if there's been something that's brought pain, if there's surrender, they can be turned around. There can be healing. Here's, here's God's part. God causes all things to work together for good. My part is this, to those who love God. My part is to love God. Sounds easy. But do I love him? Huh? What do you mean? Well, I can say I love him, but do I love him? Do I surrender? Do I? <laughs> By showing it, I love him. I will follow him. I will trust him. God always does a better job than me. Let's be encouraged today. God is for you. God is for your family. God is for you and your relationship with one another. God is for you. God is for this community. God is for this people. God is looking for people who will pray. And the, the verses that I was going to go into alluded to intercession. And the verse, if we back up from the verse 28 that we read about God causes all things to work together for good. Verse 26 has to do with when we don't know how to pray, we do, have you ever, it's been stumped for words. Yeah. That's okay. Prayer is more than words. It's the intent of the heart. Listen. There is a prayer that this verse says is beyond words. We don't know how to pray. The Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings, groanings, deep, without words. When's the last time you and I have groaned in the Spirit? When's the last time you and I have wept in intercession for our families, for our lost neighbors? for our wayward children, for whatever it may be. I'm just challenging you. When you get into that kind of prayer, you will move the heart of God. 
the effectual fervent prayer of a re effectual fervent. Listen, not to say any prayer. God all hears all prayer. But there's something about this depth. This is the spirit himself. The spirit of God is interceding through you. You become the vessel. You become the mouth. You become the peace, the, the vessel that God is using. You become the solution to the answer. You become a part of the, of the process of getting things better. Listen. There are people in the church who have been called to this kind of prayer. They're intercessors. My pastor would call them groaners growing up. He called them, I called my dad one of those groaners at his funeral. When he spoke about my dad, he was a quiet man, but he was a groaner. And I understood what he was saying. It was a depth. Be open to that. When you don't know what to pray, let, you, let the Holy Spirit bring you to a level that is deep. Maybe it's just all you can do is cry. That's a good thing. Just cry. Pour your heart out. It's a cleansing. Because Jesus, here's what's really encouraging. Same chapter. Jesus is praying for you. Look at that. It's in the chapter. Jesus prays for the saints. Why do the saints need prayer? Hey, you're a target. The devil doesn't like you. You're ruffling, you're ruffling the feathers. You're, you're, you're making his job tough. I like how our former church planner said to the pastors, we're going to make it hard for people to go to hell. What he meant was, we're going to start new churches with the help of God. And we're going to make it hard for people that's an attitude. That's a turnaround. That's a God view. Why don't we take this word and use it as a sword, not a billy club? There's a difference, you know. I respond best when I know if God loves me, in spite of who I am, I want to change. And God loves me no matter what. I want to change. I don't want to stay the way I am. You see the difference? Because I want to. God's word says I will write the laws upon their heart. The problem, if it's only in the mind, in the mentally, if it's only knowledge, without the heart, becomes rigid, cold, uncaring about people. So I encourage you, 
the devil tried to throw something at you this week. You turn to Romans 8.1. You begin to say, now there is no more condemnation for those who are in Christ. I'm in Christ Jesus. I believe. I'm on the Lord's army. I'm in the Lord's army. I'm on the Lord's side. Carrie, would you come back and one more song? It's a good thing to admit our need for the Lord, isn't it? It's a good thing. It's a good thing to confess our absolute dependency. It's like unto the psalmist who said, it's vain for you to rise up earlier. And everybody said, I like that verse. <laughs> right? Vain to rise up early. He went on to say, eat the bread of painful labors and retire late. What is that saying? You can't sleep because you're you're carrying too much. You're worried about it. You know what? I don't condemn you if you worry. I worry too. I worry about stuff. Listen. But when I worry to a point where I begin to sink, I begin to go under. It's a vain to... What am I saying to God? I want to encourage you. When you have those worry thoughts, read Matthew 6, Matthew 5, 6, 6, Matthew 6, it's Matthew 6. Cares about the birds. Nothing we can do sometimes. Things are out of control. And we need him. We surrender it up there.